James 1, chapter or verse 2. James says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way. Isn't it amazing how sometimes, depends on what it is, I have no insight, nor do I have uh, a, a, a glass or a crystal ball to your trouble. I know my own, and I know sometimes the title of the message is How to Shout When You Only Know How to Pout. I would say most of us today are good powders, wouldn't you? I mean, we can, we can really pour it on and, and let people know just what shape that we're in. But when we come to James 2, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, this is the New Living Translation, chapter 1, James. When, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. Let me tell you something. You're not going to do that in your flesh. You might fake it, but you're not going to live it. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Now, unfortunately today, I think, I'm not going to say there's not some strong believers, but when trouble comes your way, what do you do? Do you shout or do you pout? You know, I, I'll be honest, there's a lot of times I'm nothing but a little old powder. Now, sometimes I look out here and I see the, the different one faces that are gone. I'm going, where are they at? I've had three weeks of this, and I'm about sick and tired of this. Well, where, where are they at? I mean, if you've gone somewhere, that's fine. That's fine. But, you know, I get all nervous because I know we got a, we got a task ahead of us that mm, it's just going to take the faith of God to pull it all off. But anyway, let's get back on to the message. I've learned this, that not everybody who grows old grows up. Now, it's probably a cheap shot, talk somebody already dead. But my dad, while his body laid down, he's still alive. He's, he, uh, he's with Jesus. But here, on the, on the outset, my dad and I looked like, and, and, and probably in some ways I'm still like my dad in terms of being a powder. But my dad, if you made him mad... You better know what you're talking about because you're going to get it. If, if you brought trouble with you, you're going to get trouble back. <laughs> and, you know, I have learned that there's probably sometimes it's best to keep your mouth shut. He never learned that. If he didn't like something you said or how you said it or what you said, he's going to tell you about it. If you brought it in to his world. So as I got older, there was just things I realized I just didn't bring into his world. We just didn't talk about it. I just didn't bring up certain things. So not everybody that grows old grows up. There is a vast difference between age and maturity. 
normally and even ideally, the older we are, the more mature we should be, right? Wrong. Or at least in action. Somehow it gets in us that we just act in an immature way, and it's not often the truth. Naturally, the older you get, the more we should mature, but it's not often the truth. Immature people have more severe problems in their lives. They have more problems in their homes, and they'll have more problems in the church. Why? Because they're going to want it their way. If Christians would just grow up, we'd have more people shouting for Jesus than powders that fall into the trap of Satan. Now, look, I have a tendency to want to pout, and I won't pout on, on most people because you don't want your preacher pouting. You don't want to see him having... Like last Sunday when I went home and I told my wife, I said, I'm so depressed, I, don't, I can't stand it. And she said, let's exercise. I said, oh, that's really what I wanted to hear. So we got this exercise video out, and she says, I've heard if you all exercise and, and, and let the blood flow through your body, you feel better about yourself. I didn't feel better about myself when I got through it. I was hurting, and I realized how out of shape I am. So I said, just let me go to bed. Don't bother me. I don't want to talk to nobody. I want to seclude myself. I put a pillar over my head and hoped it all went away. Except I woke up two and a half, three hours later. It's still there. So I'm probably the only one in the room that gets depressed. And of all people, I've got to be your preacher. But sometimes I do. You see, 1 Peter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which you're being tried with, as so some strange thing happened. What he's saying is don't be surprised when you you fall under a trial. Life's going to be tough. Things are not always going to go your way. Husbands are not always going to act right. Wives are not always going to act right. Kids don't always act right. Y'all look at me like, well, you want me to go home with you? Let me hang out with you a little while. I'll tell you what kind of big mess you're in. Because I know how quick I can get in one. And I know how quick my, my thinking gets messed up. I really don't want to go home with you and find out if you got trouble. First Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, wherein you greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness. The word heaviness here means you're in sorrow, you're in grief. And listen, some of you are in sorrow, grief, and sadness. Because you're working through something. But don't stay there. Understand that we can work through if we're willing to let some things go. But, But if you choose to hang on to it, Peter says that, verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory unto the appearing of Christ Jesus. Look, we're all going to go through tests. We're all going to face a purification of God on earth. 
Now, if you think that this life is supposed to treat us like we're in nursery or diapers all the time, it ain't going to happen. Sometime we got to put on our big britches. And we got to walk like we know we are or should be an adult spiritually. Spiritually. Some of you have pressure. Some of you having problems. Some of you have people issues, peer issues, pain, persecution, payroll trouble, past predicaments of life. You know, all of us, at least me, if I, if I make it to April the 9th, there's no reason I shouldn't unless I get run over. So I'll be 62. I already know what it is to get a telephone call from a teacher that says, we need to talk to you and your wife. Oh, man, that ain't good. And I've learned through the teacher's perspective, they, th- they don't think it's good either. They really don't want to talk to you, and you really don't want to talk to them. But after all, it's over your son or daughter. Now, for me, grandkids. And, and the, the air is thick at school. Tense when this stuff's going on. Everybody's afraid something's going to blow up. Now, I can't imagine. Minds are so perfect. I can't imagine them even being called in. But isn't that the way we look at it when it's our kids? You know, I used to look at that and I go, you know, what's the problem? And then they tell me what the problem is. I said, that ain't no problem. And see, they, that's when the teacher and the minister, or the parent and administration don't see eye to eye. And that just brings all kind of stress in on it. I never will forget, and it was wrong when I did it. One of my boys was having trouble with somebody at school, and I wrote a note, and I said, Dear Mr. or Miss Teacher and Mr. Wardlow. Now, some of you remember him. I said, I've instructed my son, if he is hit one more time, to lay into this dude and wear him out. It didn't take long. I got a call. And and they didn't say the wife come in. They wanted me in. And that's what all I wanted. I wanted to go in anyway. And I, I bid my case. I, I shared what I thought was the truth. And, and, and I don't think it was untruth till today. What was going on was wrong. So let me give you some practical advice from James' advantage point about trials. Number one, we must evaluate the method of our trials. That's number one. Now, all of us have gone through what I'm fixing to share. Your world was dark, safe, and secure. You did nothing for yourself, and you were automatically fed and waited upon. You met no sharp objects, no pain, no threats. It was a wonderful existence. One day, you felt a tug, and the walls were falling in on you. Your body's bent double. Your limbs twisted and wrenched. You're falling apart inside, coming down, upside down. The first time in your life, you feel excruciating pain. There's a pressure that's almost too intense to bear. Your head is squeezed flat, and you're pushed harder and harder into a dark tunnel. You hurt all over. 
You're hearing groaning sounds and awful fear rushes in on you. Your world is collapsing. You're sure it's the end. You see a piercing, blinding light. Cold, rough hands pull you out. Then a painful slap bombards you. All of a sudden, you let out a bluttering, uh, blood-curling cry. Congratulations, you've just been born. Everybody in this room, unless you are hatched, and I want to see that chicken, was born the same way. You had a mother that went through this, the trial of bringing you into this world. You had a father who has to pay for all of that shenanigans going on in a test and a trial in, in his life. From the time you were born until the time that you die, you're going to walk in a world where the highways are polluted and with potholes of trouble and trials and tribulation. And you and I biblically are expected to cope with them. Some of you cope okay. Some of you do it with a smile. Some of you do it with a downtrodden, sad puppy dog look. Nonetheless, it's real. Whatever your trouble is today, whatever your trial is today, it's real. Now, I'm going to share with you three things, and you can write these down, and you can count on it because these are biblical. Number one, when you look at the method of trials, understand from God's perspective they're unavoidable. Verse 2 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Now, divers is not a... a, a it's not a uh, snorkeling disease. It, 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 divers talks about manifold. We get our first picture of this word when Joseph, the Bible says, he had a coat of what? Many colors. Now, I have my take on what that meant. All I know is that coat got him in a lots of trouble. His brothers hated him. He was despised. He was God's pick to, to, like Moses, deliver a struggling nation that was in a famine. And ultimately, because he hung on, because he didn't quit, because he didn't throw up his hands, he was able to be an inspiration to a nation of God's chosen people. But you know what? Joseph, the Bible says, was hated so by his brothers. His brother wanted to kill him, and he had one sympathizer. And they said, let's just throw him in a pit, put some blood of an animal on it, and send it back to Dad, and just say he got killed by a wild animal. Look at in Old Testament. You'll find it. Well, then that led to where he ended up in Egypt at Potiphar's house. He prospered there for a while until... He had a lie get out on him, and so he ended up in prison. <laughs> you know, Joseph would tell you real quick, my friend, don't think it's strange when this fiery trial comes upon you. Job would tell you the same thing. Moses would tell you the same thing. The Bible tells us it's a fiery trial in the sense that Heat to gold, when you heat up gold, what comes to the top in gold? Impurities. I don't know. I hadn't seen any gold heated. Have you? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a sight to see. I Surely, if I found it, I don't believe I'd heat it up. Would you? 
I'd cash it in. But see, when you heat gold up and put it under pressure, the, the, the impurities rise to the top. Guess what happens to you and I when we fall into pressure? Guess what happens to you and I when we mess up? Sometimes for a short period of time, you see the very worst in that individual in the flesh. If they're a believer, eventually, hopefully, the page will turn back toward repentance, back toward what God would have us to be doing. Oh, it may be your trouble, maybe a knock at the door at midnight or early in the morning, maybe a phone call. Could be a visit to the doctor when you find out you've got cancer. It could be a peak slip on Friday when you lose your job. Regardless of what it is, for a short period of time, your world is upside down. I told somebody the other night that there were two specific times then when God just racked and, and uh, troubled my world and my wife's world when we lost two nine-month-old infant babies. And I'm going to tell you something. God might have rocked my, rocked my world during that time, but I'll tell you what, I can't remember a time I felt I had ever been closer to God. I can't remember ever a time going through anything in life where I thought I almost heard God speak. I guarantee you one thing, when you go through your trouble, you know what it is sometimes to wonder if God's even listening or paying attention. But he is. It was Shakespeare who said this. When sorrows come, they come not in single spies, but battalions. Sometimes they just come right after another. For you see, not only are trials unavoidable, they're unpredictable. And because the, the, the diverse part is multicolored in that they come in all shapes and sizes and situations. It could be financial disaster, physical disease, emotional depression, spiritual discouragement, and on and on I go. But listen to me, trials come for two, in two specific or for two specific base, basic kind of trials. One is for correction. One is for perfection. You see, if you and I get out of the will of God and we're a believer, you're going to be put to the test, my old brother. Hide it as long as you can because she's coming out. Trials and testing or at least inward sin trapped in on the inside don't stay there. Satan says, I'm going to bring this out and embarrass the fire out of you. Don't think. That's right. And don't think that he won't do it. But now look, when God does it as a matter of correction, you know what the ultimate is for? To bring you back to the will of God. But then if it's for perfection, Romans 8, 28 and 29 talks about that you and I have a purpose and plan under God. And that is we be conformed to the image of Jesus. For that to happen, man, there got a lot of be a bad stuff go. So, number one, trials are unavoidable. Number two, trials are unpredictable. You're not going to know when they hit. Three, they're unenjoyable. I have never, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You're not going to catch Mike Franklin 
bending his knee at any altar praying that God send me a trial. You want one today? Anybody in here want a trial? You want a test? Come on. We'll just pray right now. God give you one. I can tell you this. They're coming. I hear a lot of people that have different theological beliefs that believe the closer you get to God, the less trouble you have. That's not true. That's not true. The closer you get to God, the more evil you're going to see and the more you're going to be tempted toward evil. And if you're not careful, the closer you get to God and he, re- you got to make a decision. I'm going to stand in faith or I'm going to stand in flesh. And I'm going to let that take over or I'm going to follow God. I'm going to tell you something. It's not easy, my friend. But it is possible to not listen and fold to the enemy. You see, he uses the word temptation, diverse temptation. The word temptation here normally means something that Satan comes to lead us to do evil and fail or fall. But here he's using the word that it it describes the word picture of a pirate to catch you by surprise. And then when the pirates get you, you surely don't enjoy it. They, They rob you of everything you got. You see... When it comes to the situation of the, of the times of te- testing, the times even when we fall to temptation, there is going to be a point in time, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though they didn't fall to the temptation of sin, they did fall to their knees under the temptation of not doing what what the evil one wanted them to do, and what happened to them? They were thrown into the furnace. You know, somebody told me the other day that Christians are tea bags. How you like that? Christians are tea bags, or like tea bags. They ain't worth a flip until you pour hot water on it. I can tell you this. I would rather have a Christian that's been through more trouble through hot water than somebody this guy saved and put that person in a position of stress, pressure, or a performance. They won't last. You ain't going to make it until you have gone through the fire, until you've gone through the flame. Look, you could, you could count on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they realized in the fire Jesus would be there. And that he would carry you through any in-depth, any sin, any fault, any failure that you might find. He'll be there if you can see him. See, they trusted that Jesus would be there. The second major point that I want to share with you is we must contemplate the meaning of trials. That's number two. What does that mean? That's a, that's a, well, let me just simplify that. Simplify it. What is God's purpose and plan for allowing us to endure such tough times? Why does God do that? Isn't that a sick, twisted plan? Wouldn't it be better to wake up and just have cotton candy and caramel popcorn and, and go to the circus every day and, and, and go to the spa and, 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 
and do like what you like or whatever you do in a spa. I haven't been one so long, don't know. Uh, just anything you can imagine, fluffy and light and, and angelic, it just happens to you every day. Well, what James is saying, you're a dreamer. If you think that money is going to buy such a lifestyle, because it don't. There's still things that we have to struggle with. There's still things. There's trials and toughness in our faith that we have to deal with. Someone has well said that faith must not only stand the test of time, it must also stand the test of trouble. Because trouble is coming. Don't have to pray for it, just like patience. You don't have to pay for patience. I wouldn't pay for pray for patience. I wouldn't do it. I get too much of that already. I don't want to pray, pray, pray for something that it seems like I'm under a test and under the fire and under the gun every time I turn around. There was a man who encountered many problems in his life, and as a result, he dropped out of church. Isn't that what a lot of people do? Well, I'm just mad at God, so I'm going to quit going to church. So the preacher ran into him in town. He said, hey, man, where you been? He said, I'll tell you what, I've got so many problems. Preacher, I've, gone, I've lost my religion. Preacher very calmly, with great wisdom, said, you know, son, it should have been instead of you losing your religion when you face trouble, you were able to use your religion. Because if this faith that we have don't work when trouble comes, what good is it? What good is God if God through His Son and the Holy Spirit doesn't help us when we're in trouble? But let me tell you this too. You got to be willing to let God help you as well. <laughs> now I know what it is to pout. I told you that. And sometimes I think if I can throw a pillow over my head and go to sleep, it'll all go away. <laughs> Unfortunately, it don't. Still there. Guys at Masks Road hear me say this a good bit. You got to learn to peel. And what, guys? Deal. Peel means acknowledge whatever it is that's eating your lunch. And deal means to repent of it. The acknowledging is the easy part. Repenting and turning away from it, that ain't easy. I don't care what you like to do. If it's caused you a good bit of correction in the area of trials, peeling and dealing is not an easy process. But it is a form of development. An eight-year-old little boy had a deformed foot, and he never was able to walk right. And so his son or his daddy took him to the doctor, and his doctor said, I don't know that we can do anything about that, but I do know this one doctor that might be able to help him. So he took him to that doctor, and the doctor did some adjustment and put this weird box on his foot. And on each side of this box all the way around were screws. 
And every day, as long as that child, that eight-year-old boy kept that box on his foot, the daddy had to crank down the screws. Well, at first, it seemed like a piece of cake until the kid, every time the daddy tightened the screws down, the, the kid began to scream and cry and say, Daddy, take this box off. It hurts. And while tears rolled down the daddy's face, he continued to tighten the screws until finally the day came that the box came off. And for the first time, the little boy jumped up and was able to walk with a straight foot. That all came because of the dis- discipline and development of pain. You parents, I know you love your kids. You're not going to be able to keep them from pain. And I know that you love your spouses and, and you love everybody, but pain is a reality that we've got to go through. And it helps us when we get beyond the deformity of whatever it is being corrected. It helps us to walk straight. I didn't share the third point, but I'm going to just, we'll kick it up there and then I'll slowly bring this down. Third point is we must appreciate the ministry of our trials. Did you know that trials is in the two toolbox in heaven? Do you know that? Did you know that our test and our trouble is in the toolbox of God? Remember, God is a mind, has a mind of, of construction. After all, what did he let Jesus come and be born to? Carpenter. He knows all about building precepts. He knows all about how to get us where we need to be. Once we get to that point where we are no longer pouting, but we begin to just look a little bit and say, Thank you, Jesus. Oh, why did I say that? Or how did I say that? Because some pain's tough. Verse 4 says, Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, mature, entire, wanting nothing. To, to grow in our trials, we must embrace them. A young man decided he was going to open his own business. And so he, went, he wanted to go into peach growing business. That don't sound bad in Georgia, does it? First frost came, killed his entire crop. I, can, I am not going to, to worship in a church where God wiped out my income. I'm not going to stand before God. He doesn't care anything about me. He killed my entire peach crop. So he got a man left. Again, preacher just happened to run into him. And immediately the young man, so defiant, bitter, the pastor said, do you think 
as he was talking to him, that I can actually preach her. Serve a God that wiped out my entire peach orchard. The preacher said, Son, God loves you more than those peaches. He knows that while peaches cannot grow without frost, Christians cannot grow without trials. God is not in the business of growing peaches, but he is in the business of growing Christians. I don't know what you're bitter about today. I don't know what you're mad about. But you can't go forward in the future holding on to that kind of flesh outlook of anger. You just can't. You've got to realize that God allowed you for whatever reason it was... Because in, in the, when it comes to our heavenly master, craftsman, we, he, he, he uses the raw materials of trials being tools and integrity and maturity being the finished product. You can't mature and you will not grow in integrity if you're carrying the stems and the root and trees of bitterness of the past. You can't. You won't grow. Trials are not something we should resent. James says there's something that ought to bring us joy. I close with this illustration. The little girl was born twisted and ugly. She was born with defects. She was born, it was hideous. And she went to school for her first day. Guess what happened? Kids made fun of her. They laughed at her. What if that was your child? For some reason, kids can be cruel. But mama went beyond her wisdom and years. And she brought that little twisted little girl and put her in her lap. Her daughter and said, honey... She looked, well, actually, she looked at the mama and said, why did God make me like this? And she said, honey, God's not finished making you yet. Some of you have thrown in the towel. You quit. But I'm here to give you a good word. I don't care where you're at spiritually. And you know what? On the inside, you know exactly how much trouble you're in, you know. Know this, though. God is not through with you yet. It's not over. And if you think it is, you're hearing a voice from the pit of hell. And you need to send that voice right back where you heard it. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this sickened, sinful world. With your head bowed and your eyes closed.